today is Luke 11, 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So this is a, a well-known passage that teaches on the subject of prayer. And what I'd like to do today is give us four thoughts about prayer that I think arise from this passage. Is that okay? Four, four thoughts on prayer. So my first thought is that you need to learn how to pray. And so do I. Don't be offended by that, all right? I, I am a, listen, I say that with full awareness that some of you have very rich and authentic prayer lives. Some of you, your prayers are consistent and they're fervent and they're focused on the things of God. There, I know there are people in this church who are much better at praying than I am, okay? But when I say you need to learn how to pray, here's what I mean. No matter where you are today in the life of prayer, there's more for you to learn. Would you agree with that? There, there's more. And, and here's why I say that. Ver, verse 1 says, uh, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we hear that, we might say, oh, what was wrong with this guy? Teach us to pray. Who doesn't know how to pray? There are, there are four-year-olds in this church who can pray. Why would he say, teach us to pray? What kind of rookie is this? Ooh, don't reach that conclusion. Listen, in, in the context, this is one of the disciples of Christ. In the context of Luke, in the chapter right before this, Jesus sent out his disciples, not just the 12, all of his followers, 72 of them, in pairs of two. He sent them into the towns and villages he was planning to visit. And if you read Luke chapter 10, do you know what these people did on that mission trip? They were praying over the sick and seeing miraculous works of healing. And they were casting out demons. In fact, when they came back from their mission trip, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So this is no rookie, all right? This is some, this is some I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, how many of you healed someone this week? How many cast out a demon? But most of us, I'm going to guess we didn't do this. So this, this disciple, we don't know who this was, man, woman, we don't know their name, but this is a follower of Christ who had recently experienced the power of God in prayer in ways that I'm going to guess many of us have not, all right? And yet, when this person saw Jesus praying, his or her reaction was like, Whoo, that's at a whole new level. I, I need to learn how to do that. It's kind of like something I experienced as a kid. I, when, I, when I grew up, we had a ping pong table in my basement. All right, so all my little friends from the neighborhood, when they wanted to play ping pong, they'd come to my house. They could only play at my house. I, however, got to play every day, which meant over time, I became the best ping pong player of my little circle of friends. I could beat all my friends. I could beat both my sisters. I could beat my mom. Once in a while when he let me, I could beat my dad. I thought I was really good at ping pong. So if you had met me at 12 years old and said, David, 
do you know how to play ping pong? I would just puff up my chest and say, yes, I know ping pong. And then one day, I turned on the television set, and you know what I saw? I saw a world-class international table tennis competition. Have you ever seen world-class table tennis? It's crazy. They're doing stuff with that ball. I never dreamed it was going up in the air. It's shooting across the table. They're running around the gymnasium. And I realized in that moment, I don't know ping pong. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about this game. And that's the way this seasoned follower of Jesus who's been praying and miraculous things are happening, when he or she saw Christ praying, their reaction was, there's more. There's more. I need to learn more. And I don't know about you, but I, f I find that exciting. Because if you've, if you've been a Christian for 10 or more years, can I just be honest? You've been a Christian 10, 20 years, sometimes it can start to get boring, all right? You feel like, I, you know, I've heard every sermon this pastor's ever going to preach. I've read every book in the Bible at least twice. I've done every job in the church. I've, I've learned all the doctrine. I've sung every song. I've done it all. There's nothing more for me to learn. This is boring, all right? Can I be honest about that? And then the Holy Spirit comes along with a passage like this, and he just whispers to your heart, and he says, no, no, my child, there's more there's more. There's, he just says to you, there are heights and depths of communion with God in prayer that you have not tasted yet. There's more. One uh, classic book on prayer written by a, a South African pastor named Andrew Murray is called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's, just, it's like the classic book on prayer. And here's what he writes in that book. He says, though in its beginnings, prayer is so simple that the feeblest child can do it, yet it is at the same time the highest and holiest work to which a person can rise. Prayer is fellowship with the unseen and most holy one. The powers of the eternal wor world, the powers of the eternal world have been placed at its disposal. Prayer is the channel of all blessings, the secret of power and life. It's on prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment. It's on prayer that the kingdom waits for its coming. It's on prayer that the glory of God waits for its full revelation. In other words, no matter how good you are at praying, there's more. There's more. So the first thought is that you need to learn to pray. My second thought is you can learn to pray. You can. There was a famous um, American marathon runner, probably the greatest American marathoner in history, named Bill Rogers. Bill Rogers won the New York City Marathon four times. He run the Boston Marathon four times. Great runner. And one day he was giving a clinic on running, and someone raised their hand and asked him, what do I need to do to run a marathon in under three hours? And you know what he said? He said, choose your parents wisely, right? In other words, there are certain, there are certain athletic accomplishments that no matter how you try, you will never attain them unless you're born with a certain genetic makeup. Right? You've got to be born with it. Can I ask you a question? Aren't you glad Jesus did not respond that way to this disciple who said, teach us to pray? Aren't you glad he didn't say, teach you to pray? I'm sorry, this cannot be taught. 
Either you got it or you don't. Some people can, some people can't. Aren't you glad? He didn't. His response when this disciple came to him and said, teach us to pray. His response was basically, all right, let's go. You want to learn? I'll teach you. It's just, he, he's, he's like, this is something you can learn. And, and the reason for that is really based on the, the deepest truths of the gospel. The Bible, the Bible teaches us, the Bible tells us this, whenever anyone, anyone turns from their sin and place their trust in Christ for salvation, that, that person is forgiven by God, declared to be righteous in the eyes of the Almighty. They are adopted into God's family, and they are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We heard about this before in the service. You know what that means, Christian? That means you can pray. You, you, listen, access to the living God through prayer is the birthright of any and every Christian, every follower of Christ. You don't have to be a leader in the church. You don't have to have followed Jesus for a certain number of years. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible. Listen, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you can pray. God will hear you. To, to drive that home, shortly after this teaching in, in Luke chapter 11, here's what Jesus said. Some of you, you know these words. He, he said this. He said, ask and you shall receive. You. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He just keeps repeating you, you, you. It's like this is for you. And then just in case we missed his point, he goes on. He says, for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. No exception to everyone who knocks the door is open. It, you hear what he's saying. He's just again and again and again driving this home. You've come to faith in Christ. You can pray. I just want to encourage us, church. Can we, can we, with God's help, decide not to place a limit on what we expect God to do for us in prayer? I mean, wouldn't it be something if we just say, wait a minute, God, why not us? Why not, why not us? Learn to experience and, and meet with God and, and, and wrestle with God in, in, in prayer in ways we've never done before. So you need to learn to pray, first thought. Second thought, you can learn to pray. Third, third thought is you learn to pray by praying. All right, when this disciple says to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus does not say, well, okay, here's a book for you to read on the subject. Or, you know, you can sign up for this class online that I'm offering. Or two weeks from now, we'll be putting on a seminar. Why don't you please come and you will learn. He didn't say that. Here's what he said, verse 2. It says, the disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, okay, when you pray, say this. Right? In, in other words, to teach his disciples to pray, Jesus very simply gave them a prayer and said, start praying. Here's, here's how you're going to learn. It's kind of like riding a bike. Do you remember when you learned to ride a bike? All right. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you, you learned to ride a bike by going to the library, reading a book on bike riding, and then you knew how to do it? Nobody, right? How many of you learned by watching YouTube videos? That's all you had to do is watch a video and you, no, no one learns that way. How do you learn to ride a bike? You get on, you fall off. You get on, you fall off. You get on, you fall off. You get on, and you're doing it. And that's the way it is with prayer. You, you learn by praying. 
followers how to pray. He had given them some instructions for, for their prayer life. And it seems that this disciple of Jesus wanted something similar to that. He was hoping that Jesus would teach his disciples, that Jesus would teach them to pray kind of like those followers of John pray. Can you teach us that, Lord? I don't think Jesus answered that request. Jesus did not teach his disciples to pray like anyone else prayed. Here's why I say that. When Jesus prayed, his prayers were radically different than anything anyone had ever heard before. Jesus did not pray like the rabbis. He did not pray like the Pharisees. He did not pray like the Sadducees. He didn't, he didn't pray like John the Baptist. His prayers were radically different in this sense. Jesus of Nazareth called God Father, Abba, Father. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, the idea of God's fatherhood is not new, all right? In the Old Testament, on a, in a few occasions, not many, you will find God described as the father of the whole nation of Israel. God is the father of the, of the nation. But in the Old Testament, never once do you find any individual believer going to God in prayer and saying, Father. No one did that. Abraham, we read, was the friend of God. Abraham did not call God Father. Mo Moses, we read, he spoke with God face to face. Moses did not call God Father. King David, was, remember, a man after God's own heart. David did not call God Father. But then, sometime in the first century, this unknown, uneducated carpenter from nowhere, this little town called Nazareth, he showed up on the scene, and every time this man prayed, he looked up to heaven, and he said, Abba, Abba, Father. No one prayed that way, and it was shocking to them. It was, it was actually scandalous. In John chapter 5, the religious leaders, we read, they sought to kill Jesus specifically because he was referring to God as his father. It was scandalous. And what was even more scandalous is that Jesus taught his followers to pray to God in the same way. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. He would have been speaking Aramaic. He would have used the word Abba, which was a very close, intimate. It's not a formal, stuffy word. It's not disrespectful, but it's a word of family affection. Say Abba. Say Abba to him. And here's why this is so amazing. According to the Bible, we're not born children of God. We're God's creation. He's our creator. But we're not born in that relationship of child and father. We're not born his children. In fact, the Bible would say, by birth, by nature, we're God's enemies, all right? But whenever any of us comes to Christ in simple faith, we are given union with Christ. And because of this union we have with Christ, because of the union we have with God's Son, we become God's sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing? It, you, you could say that the eternal Son of God became a human being so that mere human beings might become sons and daughters of God. Now, our, our, our relationship with the Father, of course, is different than that of Christ. He's the second person of the Trinity. Jesus, Jesus is God's Son by virtue of His divine nature. We are God's daughters and sons by virtue of our union with Christ. And let me just tell you what that means. 
Christian, when you pray, you can call God Abba, Father. Galatians 4 verse 6 says, because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father, whenever you're praying, the Spirit of Jesus is in you, crying out, saying, please, please call him Abba, call him Father. And now you might be saying, wait a minute, what, does, what in the world does this have to do with prayer being my greatest joy? Let me tell you what it, what it means. Christian, when you pray, you're not talking to your boss, right? You're not speaking with your employer. You're not addressing some loan officer who's assessing whether or not you're worthy of, of, of an investment. No, believer in Christ, when you pray, you're talking to your Abba, to your Father, which means, and, and some, some of us maybe didn't have really good or, or fathers or your father was very distant. Can I just tell you the kind of God, uh, Father that God is? You're talking to one who loves you, who will never stop loving you, and who delights in you. So something that illustrates this for me, I've shared this before, but it, it just, for some reason, this hits home with me. There's this show on Netflix that's called Alone, all right? And it's, uh, it's one of these survivor shows, right? You know, people have to survive in the wilderness. But with Alone, they're not, they're not competing as a group. They're competing as individuals. So every, every person on this show is a trained and experienced survivalist, and they bring them all up to a certain part of, of the world where, you know, it's very hard to live, and they drop them off all by themselves, and they have to film themselves on camera, and they basically have to survive. You know, they have to, uh, they have to build their own shelter, start their own fire, catch their own food, and whichever one can make it the longest without, you know, tapping out and asking for rescue wins a million dollars, all right? So a couple of years ago, they were way up in the tundra in the northern part of, of Canada where it gets bitterly cold, and there was this one man in the competition who you just think, this guy, man, this guy is going to win. He, was so, he built this, this, uh, this cabin that was so beautiful. I mean, it's so warm and safe. And, and then he started fishing, and he was an expert fisherman. He was catching this big, big fish out of these, these uh, northern Canadian lakes, and he would fillet them and smoke them in the fire. And he basically had this preserved meat laid up for weeks and weeks to come. They're like You were thinking, there's no way this guy could lose. But this man made one fatal error that cost him the whole competition. His mistake was when he packed his gear to go up to Canada, in his bag he put a little picture of his children. He was a dad. And every night as he was done with his day of fishing and, and, and building his camp, he would go to bed and he'd just look at his picture, this sweet little girl, sweet little boy, and he would go, ah, oh, I miss my kids. I wonder what they're doing right now. Maybe my wife is tucking them into bed. Maybe she's read them a, a, a bedtime story. I just miss my kids. And after a while, he couldn't take it any longer. And so after a few weeks, he picked up the radio. He called in the helicopter, come rescue me. Get me out of here. And when the rescuers came, they said, what's the matter? Are you hurt? He said, no, I'm not, I'm not hurt. Are you injured? No, I'm not injured. Are you starving? He said, no, I got plenty of food. They said, why did you call us to take you out? He said, I love my kids. I can't be away from them anymore. I miss my kids. And I don't know if you're able to accept this today, if this is hard for you to, to, to believe, but, but listen, follower of Christ, hear me. That's the way God feels about you. He, it doesn't even come close to describing 
the affection, the tenderness, the compassion that God has for you. There's a book by an author named Tim Chester. The name of the book is You Can Pray. Here's, here's what the, this man writes in this book. He says, have you ever experienced this? He says, when you, when you pray, you may hear a voice accusing you, saying, that's not a good prayer. You need to try harder. You need to do better. He writes, this is the voice of Satan. Don't listen to Satan. R rather, listen to your heavenly Father who applauds even your faltering, jumbled attempts at prayer. And then he writes this. He says, God gave His own Son for this very reason, so that you can pray. pray prayer is a gift of a, and an opportunity that we are given through Christ. It is nothing more, nothing less than a child asking her father for help. So you need to learn to pray. We all do. There's more. Guys, listen, church, there's more for us. We can learn to pray. Any one of us here, any one of us here could just become a, a, a master in the art of praying. Any one of us. We learn to pray not by having listened to this sermon. No, we learn to pray by praying. Are you willing to engage in prayer? Just some, this coming week. And, and this can be our greatest joy. We're taught, listen, when you go to God in prayer, um, you approach God in the name of the Son, in the presence, power of the Spirit. The creator of the universe looks upon you as his dearly loved child. And when you come to him, your Father smiles. Amen. Would you pray with me now? Father, I, I want to pray. First, if, if there's anyone here today, and, and as I've been describing what are the benefits and privileges of knowing Christ, and they realize that they've, they don't know Him yet, they've never yet come to Him, I, I pray that today they would hear your word as an invitation. You are inviting them you love them, and you are inviting them to Jesus. And I pray that you'd give them grace to respond with simple trust. But for those of us who know Jesus, oh God, you've given us such a gift. You hear us, you love us, you respond to our cry. Holy Spirit, would you, would you um, ignite within us again a burning passion to meet with our Father in prayer? We trust you'll do this for us because we pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen.